Welcome in to episode number five of the Hold That Podcast yeah. podcast, HTPP, your favorite named LSU Tiger podcast. I am your host, T-Bob Bear of Off the Bench and 104.5 ESPN, and I am joined by your other host, Brody Miller of The Athletic. Brody, thank you so much for being here today. I'm not a guest. Don't thank me for being here. This is our show. Um, I did. Well, I, I didn't call you guests. I said hosts. Yeah, thank you for hosts. being here. It's it's my job to I, be here. Yeah, I know. But I talk to. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and they and and the people that I like, um, generally thank the people that they do the show with, even if they are regular well, hosts. T Bob, hey, hey, hey. Thank you for being here, man. Yeah. Well, you know what? Thank you for thanking me. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that was due. So you're welcome. <laughs> and maybe in the future, you could take a lesson from me and just say you're welcome. And you're welcome if you're out there listening because we are about to bring you the hottest LSU coverage on the block. Uh, for real, though, thank you to everyone who's been listening. If you enjoy it, much appreciated. Uh, keep spreading the word. Um, a quick update on being on the iTunes store. I don't know what's going on there. It's been a dilemma. They rejected us for some reason. But did they? Um, I don't know. It was the, a very vague response. The email like, said you're rejected, but then it said, but go subscribe to your own feed on iTunes. So I have no idea yeah, what that means. They're playing hard to get. Look, bottom line is I've got my best people on it. And by that, I mean Nathan Velasquez. You're throwing money around I, I just, on this? I just made Nathan do it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, hopefully we we'll haven't figured out. Whose palms remember? do we have to grease? Exactly. Right yeah. now, you can find in the 104.5 podcast feed. 1045ESPN.com. Subscribe to The Athletic. Go buy meats at A Bear Meats, especially meats. Oh, I might go there for lunch. Um, it was great, dude. I've, I've, I have a little deal now where I get a little meat every Sunday, and I've been rocking uh, ribeye bites wrapped in bacon. Oh, my goodness. And then burgers that are made of ground-up filet and bacon. This isn't us doing um, an ad, but that sounds incredible. Well, I guess it technically is us doing an ad because- But uh, I'm as, not. No, I'm you're not. not. But as yeah. part owner, um, yes. You are. We'll do an ad for Specialty Meats and Athletic every week. So subscribe to The Athletic. Now- Let's go ahead. Oh, you have anything to add real quick? No, man. Let's do it. Okay, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, LSU uh, beats Northwestern State by 51 points, just what Vegas said. Uh, Kind of insane how that works, isn't it? Um, Even after a first half where it was surprisingly close at times, LSU gave up way more than you expected. In the end, the guys out west in the desert were like spot on once again. Bizarre. And it makes no sense because this is a game that mathematically should be impossible to predict, and yet they nailed it. They knew that Shelton Epler yep. was going to have a fantastic first half. Well, and then correct me if I'm wrong, didn't that missed extra point basically flip like whether it covered or didn't? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, they, they, it was a push. They it knew. Hit, it hit the 51 number on the dot. Uh, it just it, It's wild to me. Um, had the, the twists and turns that they could somehow still end up being right. And so let's talk about some of those twists and turns. Let's um, do it. Because this is not the Texas week. It has not been an overly fun yeah. week of LSU talk. In fact, LSU this week, for the first time this year, is kind of the back burner conversation. With the news about sure. Drew Brees and the Saints, not a lot of people have time to talk about LSU Northwestern into LSU Vandy into a bye week. Like yeah. it's it, it's an unexciting little stretch here, which and is and good. It might be a, yeah, it might be an unexciting like three weeks. Yes, which is not bad because it's what you need at this time of year. Um, you need to get healthy, as we will discuss. And so you have a you have a bye week. You have a Utah State game. Yeah. You have this Vanderbilt game this Saturday. So. It's not all bad, um, but it's just not like – I don't think we're going to be as exuberant as we were after the Texas game. So with that in mind, Brody, what were your big takeaways from the uh, from the thrashing of the demons? It's always tricky with games like this, though, because it's like you don't 
you sh- like LSU should never ha- give up 200 yards in the first half to Northwestern State, right? Yeah. No matter who the backups are or any of that, you just shouldn't, right? But then you're just like, can you really judge a game where you know the players don't care that much when you have four starters out and a few other reserves out on defense, I should say, and like just you know it's not really like that's not the LSU team you're gonna see both from a personnel standpoint and just a caring standpoint yeah so it's like do you really judge that hard but then like I said there's just no scenario where even your backup should be giving up 200 yards to Northwestern State I think my main takeaway you know I I think some of the concern is a little over the top but there are definitely some things that are that might be sustainable I mean like sustainable issues I mean I think the first thing that jumps out to me is the biggest problem with the Texas game, and then it was the same thing you saw Saturday was, I'm not sure if it's the zone specifically or if it's just that interior pass defense in the middle of the field, Yeah, but something's going on where every week, I mean, teams are able to just beat them in the slot area in the middle of the field pretty darn consistently, and I don't know if that falls on Kerry Vincent. I don't know if that's just scheme and that's where the openings are. I don't know, but that seems like a pretty – it might be a consistent issue. Yeah, it's – um. Okay, so before we get into the specific schematic issues, Let's because Ogeron has talked about this, like at least he's been pretty upfront about what they say the problem is being. I do want to talk about can you judge this game, right? Because, yeah. and then talk about the reaction that you mentioned, the concern. Um, I was, and, and I am someone, I'm an internet veteran. Um, I never doubt the ability of the internet to be a little crazy. I fully understand that the most active Twitter users are going to be arguably a vocal minority of LSU fans. Um, That said, uh, even amongst my more level-headed friends and text groups and Twitter responses, I was shocked at how off the off the bandwagon on this defense people were I mean not even like I'm concerned about this defense like this defense sucks and they will not be any good this year they can't get a rush with four and I'm like okay people let's just pump the brakes a little bit and let's take a look at what we've seen so far this year you saw a near perfect defensive performance week one against a Georgia Southern team it's a pretty good team um, you saw them get torn up by Sam Ellinger. What did Sam Ellinger go on to do against Rice? I think he went like 21 to 27, 300 yards, three oh, TDs. Yeah. He was perfect. Sam Ellinger is going to tear up a lot of people this season. And then you had a bad first half against a Northwestern State team that I can't get anything from, really. None. Um, like, I – okay, so first off, you're missing four of your front seven. Okay, four of your front seven. You're missing over 50% – of your front seven. So if you want to talk about four-man pass rushes, I just don't have time for it. Yeah, I don't. Because yeah, it's, 100% not re- it's not representative of what you're going to see in the slightest. And Epler got the ball out in like two seconds. Yes, yes. So it, it made so, – so, 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 so that critique just didn't hold up at all to me. So, so it, because of injuries and suspensions or coaches' decisions, um, <laughs> you had a front seven that's not at all representative of what you're going to see. As you said, you had a team that was obviously not locked in, didn't really care, kind of sleepwalking, where you had a Northwestern team that was really locked in and want to have success. Now, I'm not saying that none of this is cause for concern because I'd be lying if I said that I was as confident in this defense now – There are just levels to these things. – as I was two weeks ago. Yes. Like, I'm not as confident – but I'm also not panicking. I also see a de- defense that still has maybe four first-round picks. Yeah. I mean, Christian Fulton, Derek Stingley Jr., Kalevon Chason. Grant Delpit. Um, Grant Delpit. Uh, like, that is an uber-talented yeah. unit still. Um, if they had been incredible this game, if they had played like the second half the, the whole time, 
I wouldn't be patting them on the back. Really. Yeah, exactly. Because like, a, it doesn't. So, a great way to so if I'm not going to overreact on the positive side, yeah. I'm also not going to overreact on the negative side. So nobody panic about what <laughs> does it have to be better. Absolutely, and we'll talk about like like Birdie said, the scheme to clean up. But like first and foremost. And I tweeted this during the game when everybody's melting down. I'm like, look, y'all, I'm sorry. I don't know what you want from me, but, like, you're not going to learn anything from this Northwestern team about how good this defense can eventually be. Yeah, and the funny thing to think about is say it was the exact opposite. Say it was the defense dominated Northwestern State, as you expect, and the offense was kind of, like, frustrating and awkward. Nobody would bat an eye from past years. That would be what life was at LSU football. And because it's the opposite right now – there's just this like insanity that everything's wrong. And they won by 51 points. They just beat a top 10 football team. Things yeah. are pretty good. <laughs> but because it isn't literally perfect, like, and, that's, and, and it's football. You give and, up yards. And in that big, which is why, so why it's so crazy, you managed to hold Southern under 100 yards in week one. Georgia Southern, that is. Yeah. Like, that's wild. You should never be able to do that to a team. Even Northwestern State in the second half, which is about perfect. I think they gained like around 70. Some yards, but let's also be clear about this. Um, yes, the defense was not great in the Texas game. In yeah. fact, the second half they were putrid. They got torn yeah, up. Hundred percent. They played a great first half. They only gave up seven points. They had two fourth down goal line stands that were incredible that set you up for the win. The point is, don't if you bail on this defense right now and start acting like they are a lost cause, you're going to end up looking like an idiot. Yes. Now I'm not saying that. That think they're gonna. I, I don't. I before the season I thought this was like a for sure top ten group in the country. I'm a little, I'm a little less there right now. But that's a rational place to be. Yes. Yeah, I'm with yes. you there. Yes. It's like, yeah, I guess I would agree. I went from this might be Dave Veranda's best defense to this is now just a, a pretty good defense. But the idea that now there's some massive problem, I think our key point here, and that we're just beating over the head, is like, just don't judge this like strongly. You can't now, gain, you just can't gain a lot of insight. Vanderbilt does not have a good offense. If that. If they get beat by Vanderbilt pretty consistently, all right, you might want to talk. Or or Utah State, you <laughs> yeah. know, Utah State's actually a relatively good test because Jordan Love's one of the better quarterbacks in the country. You know, if that one's cons- consistently a problem before you go into SEC, the real the the brunt of SEC play, then you have a problem. But let's give it two more weeks because I just don't think you can judge a game that hard when people don't care. And if you want to also yell at me about why didn't they care the first half. Listen, I don't. I mean, I, it's human nature, bro. Yeah, we talked about it last week. You can I still um, have time for that. <laughs> I think that really good leadership. I think, and I think this LSU team has good leadership. I think that really good leadership can get only get you focused so much, and that you can say all the right things and do all the right things, but you're just it's just physically impossible. You're never going to be able to force yourself to lock in the same way yeah. for Northwestern State as home as you will a Texas game on the road with college game to their millions of eyeballs. Now, I don't. I think it's all a scale, right? And so this Saturday, still not Texas, but way bigger than Northwestern State. Like, if you can't lock in for a road SEC game, then we got a real problem. There's There's no excuses about being checked out this Saturday because it's a conference game. Um, It's it's, it's almost like a get-right game in a way for the defense to maybe quell a lot of these, like, fears. You want to continue to see the offensive dominance. So then maybe – oh, and and then I should say this. On the defense – you did mention his name earlier. Um, like I said, I'm not taking too much away, but I am a little concerned about Kerry Vincent 100%. at this point. It's a just because... I say 100% a lot. I need a new line. Yeah, just say uh, absolutely. Yeah, I got to mix it up. Uh, yeah. Right on. All right, go on. Uh, ab- yeah, oh, I said absolutely again. Yep. Yeah, I'm not, damn it, I don't know either. There aren't that many words we out there. We need a thesaurus. Th- 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 
But yes. Um, no, it's it's officially at the point where it's like, oh, that because they and the weird thing is they describe him as like their lockdown guy. Yeah, that's they what really, and he has been. I mean, Georgia last year, like Ole Miss last year, when yes. against like AJ Brown, and all those guys. Yeah, he was fantastic. And and that's the thing. I don't know how much of it is just like zone, and he's just not in the right spot, and like he looks like it's his fault. That might be something you could tell me better. But I I mean, it's pretty consistent. Like it wasn't like oh Texas beat him. Fair enough. Texas is like Devin Duvernay is a great receiver. It was like. Northwestern State guys on one or two of those plays just flat out beat him in a one-on-one yeah. situation. And there was a drop. Was he on that drop touchdown? That, that drop touchdown was hands? on him. That was 100% on him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's a bit odd because, as you said, we know Kerry Vincent is a shutdown that's guy. Weird. Like, we've seen it in the past. So that gives me hope that he can fix it. But, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to have these moments where – yeah, kind of get shit on a little bit, yep. so that you got to remember to wipe your ass. You know what I'm saying? And right now, maybe wait. So getting pooped on is how you remember. Just, just, just how don't to wipe. don't get lost in the weeds here. The right. point is, you're the king of analogies. He's so, gotten I mean, a little cocky. He's walking around with a dirty booty hole, and now he's got to clean it up. He's got to clean it up. And sometimes yeah. you just lose sight that you got to clean up. So you have to get, you have to go through a little negativity to get back to where you want to be. You see this a lot in sports. With different players. So hopefully, and as you said, it is tough to parse a lot of times how much yeah. of this is scheme, communication. Todd Harris leaves the field, he has the problems. Like, it's probably not as all on carry as we're making it out to be, but, but there are still, yes, but there are still clear moments where he has struggled. Um, and, and so, as far, do you want to say something? I was going to say, and now it's a little even more concerning because now you're, because I mean, Essentially, Kerry Vincent's a safety at the end of the day, and yeah. and now you're losing him. You're losing Todd Harris for the season. Wait, not, losing, not, not okay, losing Kerry okay, Vincent, okay, my yeah, bad. Yeah, my yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. But then you're, he's struggling a little bit. Then you got Todd Harris is out for the season. He's your other kind of deep safety most often. Now you're, all of a sudden you're in a situation where like, are you going to have to ask Jacoby Stevens to be a, a, a deep coverage safety more often? I mean, I, I think he can do it. I think most SEC offenses can probably take advantage of that weakness. I, I think all of a sudden you're looking at just like, is that kind of a bit of an just overall weakness there? And again, sticking to the rule. It's three games. Let's not overreact. Well, this is what's weird, though, right? I mean, we've been you hearing for months. don't know how much depth behind Kerry. So, but, but hadn't we been hearing for months about how much safety depth you did have? Because you have guys like Monroe yeah. and you had Harris and you have Delpit and Stevens. Like, safety was supposed to be the position. Um so so okay so well, how do you replace how do you replace Todd Harrison and if you missed it Coach O said during press I you could see it from Saturday um, a lot of times if you've torn an ACL you can almost judge by how the knee moves and how the guy looks like he's feeling like I, you knew that that was probably his year uh, Saturday when it happened and that got confirmed on Monday Todd Harris going to be out for the year. Um, so I guess the question is, how do you replace him? And were you surprised to hear O say that they're kind of leaning towards Jacoby Stevens in that role? And the only reason I say that is because Stevens, we always think of him as the quarters guy, the outside hybrid kind of outside linebacker, safety, run support guy. And I figured maybe that an Eric Monroe or one of these other yeah. guys would, would just figure to be the deep safety. Yeah, a lot of things I want to take there from there. Uh, one, I mean, one thing I always get into is like, I think sometimes we get really tricky with press conferences and you got to like really look at like what is Ed mm. actually answering. And I think he answered that basically being like, well, yeah, Jacoby's been our starting safety all year. It's like, I think he was more saying like, well, Grant and Jacoby are still our starting safeties. So that's obviously like what you have. And then Todd, it's like okay. Todd Harris plays all the time. But yeah, he didn't know. He flat out didn't know. It didn't sound like who he thinks the third safety is going to be. And 
and you're in you were bringing up earlier and it's a really good point how two months ago we were talking about how ridiculously deep that safety position was i think on this podcast i said that was the strength of the team and all of a sudden you're looking at it and it's just like piece by piece it's just kind of getting chipped away at a little bit where all right Kerry Vincent, you know, maybe you know he's still a solid player, but that that's been a little. He's, he's taking a little bit of a hit, and then and you, you don't have a Kelvin Joseph anymore, who would have been a great role to either maybe like if you wanted to move Kerry to safety, you could have moved Kelvin. Yeah, to the that would have been a lot. Like, of, that would have been perfect for this. And then so all of a sudden, then you know you're going from you know you're going from Kerry and Todd being big strengths to now you're going from four safeties you love to two basically. And yeah. Two and a half, you know, carry still counts, of course. And then, you know, it just seems like, keep in mind, Eric Monroe didn't get into that game until really late. Maybe I mean, Eric Monroe might not might not really be. So who's the other guy, Cam Lewis? Cam Lewis played quite a bit in that game. You wonder if he's really the next guy. He's carries backup, technically. He is the backup nickel safety. But he's also technically more of a true safety. So, you know, maybe he's your next guy there. So I, I always know. qualify a the nickel as a corner for whatever reason. Because when we talk about LSU three safety looks, we're not talking about carry beyond the field. You're though, right, right, you're right. I'm we're sorry. Talking about, it's I'm always just, just tricky. Well, well, no, I just want to be clear because – that is the question. Because he practices with the safeties. That's why I go with that. Uh, that makes sense. But but, but, but but my point is the whole reason, um, or, or one of the things about this LSU defense thus far, is they love three safety looks because it allows them to get Delpit and Stevens on the field at the same time with like a Todd Harris type of guy. They've been using a lot of it. What happens, do you think, to those three safety looks? Like Because Aranda very much is a... Let's bend the scheme around our personnel. Do they start to move away from that a bit more? I think to some, I think some percentage you have to. Yeah. I think Vanderbilt's probably a good chance to play around with some different guys and kind of see like, all right, maybe how does a Cam Lewis or an Eric Monroe look in that, you know, playing the way Todd Harris would play. Maybe you got to look at that, play around. You got a few weeks. That's one benefit. You got a few weeks to kind of figure out what you really like there. But I think to some extent you have to. You have to kind of move away from that. But then you're putting, you know, more guys in the box and whatnot. And then some of those, you know, in Alabama, for example, is going to take advantage of that with ease. You saw Texas do that. I, I don't I don't know the answer. I don't think I know knew the answer yet. I think that's something Dave Aranda is probably still figuring out. But I think you have to move away from it. And that is something uh, you mentioned Alabama. That's probably a bit of where the overreaction stems from because when you look at – judged off that. And when you look at this year's Alabama team um, – defensively they're just so injured that they're still very good in a lot of spots still very very yeah. good but like you can kind of move the ball on them a yeah. little bit this year it looks like thus far and so when you start thinking about that eventual matchup you're like okay well you're gonna have to be able to stop him and it doesn't feel like well I don't think anybody's gonna stop Tua but it definitely doesn't feel like LSU can right now but as you said you got a lot more to figure out before you get to that game um defensively, as far as the scheme is concerned, they do seem to be saying that uh, zone defense is the problem. And, and it makes sense because man-to-man, they are some animals. And yeah. that's probably where Kerry shines And Kerry's great at that. Yeah. Yes, even if he struggled a bit. Um, so I guess, I and, and this is where we almost need a defensive back in here. How can you be <laughs> so good at man-to-man but then struggle in zone? Is it just because they don't do it enough? Like. I just don't. I, I, I just don't understand it because man to man supposed to be the hard one. Well, I go back to, and it might not apply to this game. So I, I'm, you know, but I remember. Remember, we were talking about last week. The big thing, you know, Jacoby Stevens is one of the best, smartest players on that entire football team to talk about these things with. And he was saying what happened. The Texas game was our scheme was about taking away the deep ball, and yeah. that just left openings and the checkdowns in the middle of the field. You it, talked about the rotation, faking yeah. two high safety looks, rotating so in one. It might be. I mean, it might be like a mix of everything where it is. You know, they maybe not being too strong at zone, but also that just technically where they're the way they're playing the zone is where that's the opening is. I don't know, but it's becoming a point where you had two or three games in a row where that's a problem, too. Yeah, two games in a row. And so um, 
we're kind of we're repeating ourselves here. Well, it's because there's not you know it's we're, we are dealing with a small sample size of information which we're drawing conclusions from, and we're dealing with only one game that is a legitimate measuring stick for where this exactly. team is at. Yeah. Because although I mean offensively, I think you could take value out of the other two games just because there were so many question marks entering the season. But there's only one real game that's mattered thus far. I will throw Vanderbilt in the category of a game that matters. Like I do think yeah. that this is a big one that we will learn. Um, this weekend. So defensively, they've been bad. They've been great with man. That's what they did the second half against Northwestern. They've been bad zone wise. I'll be interested to see. Do they just move completely away from zone? Do they try to improve in that regard? Edo said they would try to improve, but as you said, take everything in the press conference with a grain of salt. Um, now I'm curious your thoughts on the pass rush because okay, that's actually where I was going. Hey man, hey, mind melt. We're mind drifting. Mind melt. Mind melt. We're drifting. Like what movie? Oh wow, we talked about this last week. What we? movie do they drift in? Two brains have to join as one. To oh, control uh, Pacific a- Rim. I'm so yeah. sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. Right, see, you just told me that with his mind. Um, it's it's a tricky thing because the num well the numbers aren't too bad because you had some BS sacks in some of those games where like but the four man pass rush has not been getting great results mm-hmm. and that's been a t- very top like common topic of conversation i think it was asked about like four or five times at like monday's <laughs> press conference sometimes the same question but that's a conversation for a different time <laughs> and i don't know if i see the cause for concern yet i was actually talking about this with somebody at lsu yesterday it's it's funny because okay we're at a point now we're basically at what 16 games now where like you're a little disappointed with the four-man pass rush so at some point yeah it's just it's an issue yeah but when I look at these three games, it's like, do I look at the macro? Do I look at the micro? I don't know if I'm that. Nothing in the last three games has really made me like, that's a problem. You face two straight quarterbacks who got the ball out really fast. So there were a few plays. You know, and, and then we talked at length last week about what happened with the Texas game pass rush. They were going with a contained strategy. Yes. So it's like each game has had a slight explanation about why so you went with that pass rush strategy in the first half against texas and it didn't work and you didn't get sacks it looked better in the second half to me and then all uh, and then and this week which is still the great irony because you had more defensive success the first half than you did the second half but the rush was actually better so we're sitting here yelling like it might have worked i actually don't even know what conclusions to draw from that i i i i i I don't know how to interpret that it's just a weird informational quirk because you're right by the end of the texas game Kalevon was winning. Uh, he he. he was winning. Glenn Logan was yes, looking fantastic. Yes, getting a couple event. holds, which, by the way, um, another piece of news that broke. Glenn Logan, maybe that injury a bit more serious than we thought, as he was in. He got spotted in. He took a picture of somebody from the station in a um, a wheelie cart. Oh yeah, he was a one leg wheel cart or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Has that been reported? <laughs> I mean, we we've talked about it on air. Okay, because what I was gonna say is I heard, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, you can't really get around game. it when so we're in the Eagle Studio right now, the old Eagle Studio, and Anna hosts the Morning Eagle Show, and she was the one who on her social media posted a picture with him from before the game. Oh yeah, yeah, he was it, on a it, scooter and all that. Yes, yeah. So what I've heard is Richard Lawrence should be generally fine. I mean, I was actually yeah. thought he might be able to play this week, but I just think they're playing it carefully. Glenn Logan, yeah, I've heard it's gonna be you know a few weeks. Uh, Hopefully, you get back by Florida. Florida's the goal. Yeah. So watch out for Trask, bro. Watch out for Trask. You look good. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we will. But um, yeah. So then, and then last week you have explanations too, where you're playing without your three best pass rushers in the front four. And also, like, you can't talk about a four-man pass rush when you don't have exactly <laughs> three of your best. And also, four. I don't think those four looked bad pass rushing. Epler got the ball out in two seconds mm-hmm. almost every time. Give him some credit. That's and good point. 
Brady Fajoko got a pass rush. Uh, Drell Cherry had a few nice ones. You know, not great, but he had some nice ones. Neil Farrell looked really good to me, by the way. Yeah. I mean, granted, he should throw away. He should, like, Neil Farrell was made to throw Him, him and Fogo did what they should do when they go yes. against the Calvary exactly. Athletes. He was throwing some of those bodies yeah. around like yeah. you should. But Neil Farrell's a good player. I don't think I looked at that pass rush and was like all that concerned. They did some good stuff with Patrick Queen in there. I just didn't leave that. Also, also we talk about the front four being out. Also, Michael Davinny's one of your three best yeah. pass rushers. He was held out. And I just don't even think it looked bad in the game. I think it was just you got the. I think I think the problem is is it's really easy if you're just if you're watching a game and you're seeing the team have success. It's really easy to point to that rush because the quarterback's just standing upright, right? But like, you're not always appreciating what you're saying is that the quarterback's getting the ball the hell out of there, right? Like. Uh, does the Texans pass rush suck or was Drew Brees just really good yeah. last Monday night? Like we know that they don't suck. And yet JJ Watt for the first time like ever didn't even record a quarterback hit. Exactly. Also Ryan Ramchick's a beast. Yeah. Um but so so that's th- those are both great points. So we're not I guess in conclusion with the defense. Yeah. Everybody just chill. Just chill. Just chill out a little. And by the way, if they look bad these next two weeks, I will be on this show ripping them more than yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will not, be. We're not. Being we're not yeah, we're not somebody who's afraid to. I rip on this offensive line, all these things, all the time. It's oh, just chill out, bro. Yeah, yo, chill. chill. Um, I'll, uh, I'll sit for five. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think it's inconclusive. Here, here, here's here's the deal. Is um, it's let, let's just yes, okay. A lot of times people want to mistake negativity for objectivity they are not one and the same just because you are negative does not mean you are being objective uh in fact sometimes you're being the opposite you're going out of your way to be negative and so if somebody's trying to tell you that this defense is terrible they pass their second i don't think they're being objective i I just don't think you can make those conclusions yet so also i think lsu fans are people built on i can't tell if they're just sincerely hot takey or if they are just like protecting themselves as a defense mechanism as in like if i tell myself this is terrible and it turns out fine maybe because that's how my brother is my brother is one of those psychopath fans who loses his mind and he told me one day he's like listen i am just a really negative person so that i can be surprised and happy when things go right well it's i mean it's just a classic life technique right if you set your expectations low you'll never be disappointed i've been building uh, the the legend of mediocre miller for 25 years now so when i do something well they're like god exactly that comment exactly brody exactly just set those low expectations a plus hard work every time, then you're going to have to do A plus hard work every time. Nobody wants that. I mean, <laughs> no one needs that guy. Save save that for when you really want to shine for the big for the Texas games. Yeah, uh, I think that's what Tom Herman's been doing this whole time. That's the whole thing. You know, I mean, he's like, a terrible favorite and a great underdog. Yeah, that's essentially that is that's crazy. Um, so defense in conclusion, chill. We'll learn chill. more in the next couple weeks. But I still, if you had to choose today, will this defense end up being a top three group in the SEC? Hmm. Good question. I will say no. Oh, who's your three that you think are better? Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I think Florida's pretty good. I think. Yeah, I would say Florida. Then you got Alabama's got weaknesses. You know, actually, I mean, is it crazy that I don't want to put Alabama there though? Because they probably they're probably going to top top three. three, They probably in the top three, but they're not going to be like a force. I don't. Yeah, for some reason, I'm just not Auburn. Auburn's probably in that top three. Auburn. Okay, my bad. Auburn, Florida, and then yeah, probably either LSU or or Alabama. Yeah, I I would agree with that. My four. I don't think I like A and M's too much right now, but I'm you know we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be fine. I just think you have all you have the you know when you just look at the statistics, you already know you're missing guys for a few games. All these things. It's like 
it's almost like kind of you look at the A and M game last year, threw off every stat, because even though like it was a overall yes. pretty good defense because yes. it went six or seven overtimes. I think that's kind of you might have seventy-four some, points. Some goal. numbers might be thrown off because there are some games where LSU's not really itself. So should you should we be worried about Richard Lawrence and Glenn Logan and company? Not because okay, Divinity's back. Chason's questionable. Yeah, Logan, but he's and, fine. Like long term. Yes, but he's he's, but he's questionable this weekend. But can. Is LSU good enough where they can get away with just not playing these guys against Vandy this weekend? They're good enough to win, but I'm, I I think that is the question of this weekend. I think that's actually like there's not too much to take from this game, right? It's going to yeah. be LSU should win this one handily, but I think that's a good point. I think that is the best takeaway we'll learn is are they good enough to do that? Because yeah, they're kind of they should win this game. But I don't know, you know, it's an SEC offense. You know, I, I I'm curious to see, you know, if you don't have Caleb on Logan Lawrence, some of these guys. How do you look? I don't know. So we so Vanderbilt's beaten Alabama A and M forty two zero. They lost to Georgia thirty to six, and then they lost to Purdue forty two to twenty four. And um, that was two weeks ago, as they have had a bye yeah. week. Um, so a little extra time there for Vandy. Uh, the problem is going to be for Vanderbilt, as good as their offense does, can their defense stop the unstoppable? Point scoring machine, and the answer is probably no. Not just because of how good LSU is, but if you look at the funniest thing about looking at the. By the way, Vanderbilt tough first three games: Georgia, Purdue, and LSU. That's yeah, it. not great. Well, but, the Alabama, but yes, uh, yeah, yeah. To your point, yeah. Um, but oh wait, I missed a. Um, excuse me, I missed a Middle Tennessee game in there as well. So they beat Middle Tennessee, are beat Alabama A right and M. What's that? Are you looking at the right thing? Talking about Vanderbilt? Am I not looking at the right thing? Twenty nineteen, they've only played Georgia and Purdue. Why? Oh my God! This is for, great okay, my bad, my bad. For some but, reason, on the Google search, it has two results from 2017, that, that, get and you. then yeah. it jumps to this. I, that's happened to me before. Oh, You're okay, good. okay, okay. Anyway, so, moving on. So all uh, they've done is lost. They beat lost to Georgia 30 to six, and they lost to Purdue 42 And the funniest thing about looking at those two games is the Georgia game. Georgia barely threw the ball and ran for 323 yards on them, wow. and then the Purdue game. Purdue barely ran the ball and threw for 500 yards on them. Oh. So it's like you're showing that like there might be weaknesses on both sides. Yeah, there. yeah. Uh, I think LSU should have its day with the the you know Derek Mason's a defensive guy. He's got two weeks. You imagine there will be at least a marginal improvement, but LSU should have ease moving the ball. The the question is, and this is gonna be the test for the LSU defense. So let's talk about the offense then, because we haven't touched on them yet. Um, offensive takeaways from the Northwestern game. Um, for me, it's that. Uh, your own line depth is still a big problem. Um, I'm talking about depth, right? Like, is there a more irreplaceable player on this team right now than Lloyd Cushenberry? No. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've talked about this a million times on here that, like, Charles Turner was never going to be the backup center. No. That was just, hey, let's give him some reps in a game. But, I mean, his snaps, you're a center. Tell me. <laughs> very floaty. They're very floaty. Yeah, I don't need to be a center expert Brennan, to Brennan, notice Brennan's that. having to, like, walk up and snatch them out in the air, which is fine. The kid still has a ton of potential because uh, he's out yeah, there he's making athlete, the calls yeah. and he's a good athlete. And literally fixing a snap is the easiest thing you can do as a center because all it is is time on task. You just – Every day, get there and just after your workout, do like a hundred snaps or whatever. Can I ever start writing that now? Just like, there's um, no excuse. It's easy. I mean, I well, I, I you know, but but I'm also coming from the, I, I played center from ten years old on, yeah. so my perspective is a bit warped. But even if you're coming to center late, l- like you could practice snaps. There are a lot of things in football you cannot a- as simulate and practice. You can practice snapping and stepping against yeah. the wall forever. The tricky um, thing is just like Chasen Hines is your backup center now. Yeah. 
I mean, first off, he's a you know he hasn't practiced center that often. He played some in high school. I mean, he has experience, but like he and even he hasn't looked good. He doesn't even look good at left guard. Yeah, he's, no. he, he did not look good against Northwestern State. No, he didn't look good week one. I don't think he really played at all against Texas, if I remember. But yeah, he didn't look good. He he looked slow. He looked kind of confused. I mean, him him and Dare both kind of going up to linebackers was an issue. I don't think they were very good at that. I was going to also ask you just your overall thoughts on what you saw from Dare Rosenthal. I didn't watch Dare super closely, but um. But as you said, a, li- a little plotting, trying to work to the second level. A lot of leaning on guys. Um, I'm just not impressed. The 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 left side of the line, if Sadiq Charleston out there is just not, yeah, it's just not very good. Um, now Ed Ingram sounds like he's very close to yes, returning, so and he's probably your left guard. And and I am someone who I think he can have success right away. A lot of people think he spent people. so much time away from football. They're like, oh, you can't just walk in and be good again. I don't know if I fully believe because he's been around the program. He's stayed in shape. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's – and because the barrier to entry of getting playing time at left guard is not super high right now <laughs> no, because they are struggling. And so, like – And the way people in that program talk about him is like, oh, that guy's that he was going to be incredible. stud. Yeah. Yes, like as a true sophomore, there was the idea that he was going to be the best member yeah. of the offensive line. So – he kind of represents exactly what you need at this moment. Then maybe let's chase and Hines focus on backup center if you wanted to go that direction. Yeah. Because you really can't afford to lose Lloyd right now. So that's that's I think that became a clear with this Northwestern game. Other takeaways from an offensive line perspective. Um Deculus still looks improved. Yeah, I like Deculus. He's, I like Deculus. Well, and that's the, he's great. That's the key thing with that Ingram to it's worth breaking up. Six months ago, I mean several OSU people told me like if Ingram comes back, he's your right tackle. That was the plan. Oh wow! Really? And, okay, I never heard that. Yeah, and now I mean, now I think it's pretty obvious he's your left guard yes. if he comes back, and that's yes. that's that's one an indication of how problematic is it at left guard. But give credit where it's due. Austin Deculus has sincerely improved. Yes, he, he looks solid. I mean, obviously not not even saying the Northwestern State game because that didn't mean much, but the Texas game he looks solid. So he did, and I'm not, and you know, maybe if you're like an NFL scout, you're not going to like rave about Deculus, but he's doing his job. And the new offense of getting rid of the balls obviously helped everybody on that line. If you had this line with last year's offense, I think you could have been in some real trouble at certain points this season. Um, And you've looked way better because, well, you're scoring like 50 to 60 points a game. So that's still a big, that's still the main concern offensively, I would say. But there is a lot of hope. And that that almost transitions to like the other problem that everyone's, this kind of been like a subtle, subtle talking point this week. Is the Russian game? Is yeah, that's looking. where I was gonna. Yeah, Dude, my melt, baby. We're drifting, We're drifting um, baby. It's it's we it's gotta kill of... those fucking kaiju. Is that what they're called? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Giant interdimensional underwater monsters. Am I Charlie Hunnam? Who are you? Um, you have the beard. I want to be Idris Elba. That's fair. I've always wanted to be Idris Elba. Though. I know you've told me that many times. Have before. you ever seen Luther? Of course, I've seen Luther. I mean, or The Wire. How could you? Yeah, yeah, Wire. I've seen a couple seasons of Wire. I like The Wire. Fine. Stringer Bell, my baby. First Idris Elba experience was with Luther, and I went through like this was early Netflix, right? This is a few years ago. I just went through a hot yeah. three day weekend where me and Luther just got down That's with each show. other, and it's such a good show. Stringer Bell's the best. Um, so yeah, I'll um, be I'll be Idris Elba. Oh okay, yeah, I'll be Charlie Hunnam. Um. Anyway, Charlie Hunnam's not that good of an actor, so he's not a good actor. It's kind of but, on you. you know, lo- what's of that? The you. world, of Lost World of Z. Uh, that was actually a pretty good movie. World man. War Z? No, the I don't lost know. What world, you're like about. it's like a, it's kind. Of, never mind, man. Is it's it like, like it's like an Atlantis type movie of like finding a lost world, and it's like an explorer. It's a true story. We'll talk about it some other time. Um, 
It's a good movie, is, man. James Gray made it. The guy who made no, that Astra. My mind is blown right now. Everything about this sounds very intriguing. I have zero oh, it's a, clue. It's a what legitimately you're good about. movie. He's not great, but the it's Lost. A, yeah, Lost World of Z. I World of Z. All right, I got it. I got it on my notes. Um, wait, Charlie. Continue. Lost City of Z. Lost City of Z. But good movie, man. It's James Gray made it. He's the guy who made Ad Astra, which comes out Friday, the Brad Pitt space movie. Which I heard that Brad Pitt called NASA, um, not letting them know it was Brad Pitt, and asked wow. them who was a better astronaut, uh, Brad Pitt or George Clooney. Where does Ryan Gosling fit in? I don't know. He was a good one. I also don't know what NASA answered, so it's kind of a yeah, pointless story. We'll, we'll get into this later. Um, Tom Hanks is the best astronaut. See, I think Ryan Gosling was a really good one, man. I think Ryan Reynolds in Life I was seen that very one, actually. Was it Life's okay? Life's very good. Life's very good. Very good? Actually. Very good. I like it a lot. I'm a big Alien 1 fan. Life, a lot of Alien 1 okay. echoes. I remember I had like a 50, like 4% of Rotten what? Tomatoes where it was like, no, but that just means it could go either way. No, I know. No, yeah. for sure. The Rotten Tomatoes, you got to understand, it's a thumb up or thumbs down system. Exactly. So 54% Thank is a coin flip the- as to whether you like it or not. When I was 15, I lived and died by it. And now I'm just like, no, you can't judge <laughs> off that. <laughs> if anything, I'm going to get more into a movie in the 50s because that means it actually has something to say and it's kind of like polarizing, That's which means fair. it might be great. That's fair. If, but there are movies that are like a 97 where it's just like a generically good movie. Because it's just like likable. If you're an original Alien fan, you check out Life. Uh, I am not a fan of Aliens with James Cameron. Ooh. Just not. And which Can't one? Fincher it. made the third one, right? Uh, I don't. I don't even. Think I never about, saw. That. I don't even think about the third Alien movie. Well, no, uh. apparently it's good. Um. Anyway, wow, running game. <laughs> yeah. It's been like a subtle yeah. talking point because it's been weird. Where by no means has the running game been bad. <laughs> no, it's been fine. But they're they're not convincing. Like the running back, most games the running back carries have been like in the three or four yard per carry kind of range. And I think also it's really worth noting that a ton of the even that positive yardage has not been the offensive line run blocking well. It's been Clyde Edwards Hilaire, which he deserves a lot of credit this season. Yes. He, I don't know why people this, are so just going he, out of their way to try to replace Clyde when he's creating all of everyone, this success. It's, it's human nature to fall in love with upside. And you just fall in love with that idea of John Emery being some superstar. When like he might, he's, just, he's at the bottom of the totem pole right he's now. He's not ready. If he's, you just look by reps, they're repping TDP over him. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Fournette, like John Emery's not ready yet mentally. He's not. And that th- that is a that is a golden <laughs> rule of thumb that I've been talking about this week, Brody. Which is in football, if you have a guy who is more talented than the guy playing ahead of him. You just have to assume that he doesn't know it. Like, he's just not ready mentally. Like, the only reason why a person who is more physically talented doesn't play over the guy in front of him is because he's just, he's just, he, the coaches cannot count on him to be in the position that he needs to be. <laughs> and, and I do not want to put words in his mouth, but it was, we talked to Clyde Edwards at length yesterday, and he was fantastic talking about a lot of this. But by no means would he ever say this, but some of just like the subtlety in the back of his voice was like, yeah, those guys just aren't. Yeah, you're reading between the lines. Which I mean, and, and, that's, and that is not even a slight against those guys. They're freshmen. Uh, it takes years That was the problem with Terrace yes. and Jamar last year. Yeah. Terrace Marshall and Jamar Chase are studs, but they just had so much to learn last year. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, the offensive line has not been opening up holes for this run game. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been, all, and I had a great conversation with him about this yesterday. I'll probably write something maybe next week on it. But just he has been off the charts good this year. Having a guy in the backfield ready to tackle him for like a two-yard loss and just making the first guy miss like clockwork every single time. Every time. And it's always been a strength of his. Don't get me wrong. He's always been more known for his kind of open field ability. But it's been crazy how much he can juke people out. He can spin people out. Well, he's got to love, though, this new offense because that is one of the, the shadow benefits is that he has room to operate. 
Yes. This is not the old offensive old where, yeah, you make that first guy miss, there's nine in the box. Like, you're yeah. fucked. There's no way you're getting out and anyway. That's not where he's going to thrive. Yeah. No, like now, if he makes that first guy miss, he has room to make that into a positive play. And he had, uh, he was really, you know, he's one of the better people to talk to about these things. And I remember talking about I didn't him. know that. I've never talked to Clyde. He's great. We talked to him in August about it. Like, and he admitted, like, he had to learn. He knows that's not his strength. And he had to learn how to become like a downhill runner and he did it fine he's like yeah I, I got pretty good at it but like he had to change the way he ran just to fit yeah. this team and it just wasn't well suited for him and you're seeing it better this year but the reason we're even bringing this up isn't to rave back Clyde it's that although I do think that's an important point because like I said there yeah. is way too much of a perception among the LSU fan base right now that Clyde it's is not good annoying. it's quite annoying he is the driving force behind a lot of large portion of the offense right now. Although I don't think the anger is that Clyde's getting the time. I think the anger is, which is still misguided to get, but the anger is more like, why is Lennard the second guy instead of these freshmen? I think that's where people are getting. But angry. even even there again, it's because the coaches can count on yeah. Lennard. And when you have an Football. offense that's running this well, you go with the guy. Like you're not, you, go, you don't need to take some risk on upside right now. Exactly. Yeah. Football. Football is a weak link. Sport. Um, I heard a revisionist history episode huh. where they were talking about this from a couple of years ago. Malcolm Gladwell, just one Fantastic of my favorite podcast. minds yeah. uh, in the world, and he's discussing how okay, like a sport like football or soccer. Yeah, that like was 11, a great episode. Yes, by the way. there's 11 people on the field. You are truly only as strong as your weakest link in a in a soccer match. If you have eight successful passes in a row and the ninth guy screws it up, he has invalidated the eight other players' abilities. Um, same thing on a football field. If one of the 11 is not doing their job, it doesn't matter sometimes if the other 10 are. You, you, you maybe won't have a successful play because you gave up a sack. You did this or that. So it becomes – this isn't like basketball, which obviously that's a strong link sport. One player yep. represents – 20% of your team on the field at any given time. Like, no, you, if, if the coaches in football, if the coaches cannot rely on you to be where you need to be, it can ruin everything. Yeah. And, and so the bottom line is you can have all the physical talent in the world. You got to know what you're doing. The freshmen don't know what to do yet. Shout out to Clyde. Shout out to Lenard. I will never begrudge a guy for beating out other players for their playing time. Yeah. Um, I think like you'll probably see even more anger when it gets to SEC play and you face better run defenses. <laughs> then it's going to get really obnoxious, and we're going to have to get like our we're going to have to block out the noise that week. But <laughs> but it's going to get bad. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, overall, wow, we got so. But the greater point was the run blocking has not looked it's great. Not great. Even Northwestern State has had guys in the backfield with ease last week. I mean, this Saturday, don't judge it too strongly because a lot of that was you know Dare Rosenthal was starting. Was, there was the one obvious MA where him and Kush Kush you could tell was yeah very animated with the left side of his line because after a Dare TFL. basically just like ran past a guy on on, <laughs> on like a what is, on a seven technique. It was like a little stir. I don't know what it was like a little just a zone just a zone. And run he just ran left. right past yeah. him. And I was like oh, man. <laughs> and Lloyd <laughs> Lloyd's reaction. I I have a gif in my film <laughs> breakdown of just him being like like his arms are outstretched. He's like, what are you doing? But uh yeah, that hasn't looked fantastic. Right side run blockings look good, which you expect. You, yeah. can, you can trust those. I mean guys. D Lou's a run blocking fantastic monster. He's looked really good. But yeah, and Sadiq Charles is gonna make a big impact on that, but he's gotta figure out that left guard spot. Anyway, there's not too much to say there, but so that's that's the offense, or that's the weakness of the offense right now is the offense line, and it's a and it's a and it is a relative weakness because, like we said, I still like that group and I think it's going to get better. Yeah, it's uh, improved. But, I need to say that because I I was like the number one critic yeah. of that offensive line last season. The offensive line is better; it's just all relative, and a lot of it's because of scheme as well as we discussed. Now, um, that said, that might be the only weakness that this offense has right now. Yeah. Uh, everywhere else looks spectacular. God, I mean, Joe Burrow, 
I'm going to have a story either tomorrow or the next day about just how he's developed as a passer. Because we, we talk so much about scheme, and, and his greatest strength is always going to be his mental aspects. That's his biggest strength and his t- all those things, leadership. But he's just making throws that he was not able to make last year. Which is the oddest part to me. I know he's more comfortable in the offense. I know his decision-making's gotten better. And I know, okay, and this is maybe where it comes from. A, a lot of times what you hear, though, is you're either born accurate or you're not. Last year, he was not especially accurate. He had a yeah. few moments, but but not consistently. This year's is it just time on task? Do you think so, like that he has a year with these receivers? I think it's a mix of like three things. Okay, one he's talked about this before. He he talked about the summer. He had talked about it a little bit yesterday. He had to work on his footwork. He said he, uh, his footwork was really messy last year, and I think a lot of that was a result being of, under center and stuff. Exactly. So he had to learn a lot of footwork stuff. I think. Two, I think so much of it really does, and it sounds like a corny thing, but it's just so true. You, they, Him and those receivers spent off-the-charts amounts of time together running routes, all those things. Joe Burrow has no other life because he doesn't really take classes right yeah. now. <laughs> like He has no other life except football. That's true. So, I mean, he has just been off-the-charts working on that. And, then, and it is all-timing. Think about how many times you've seen this this year, and this is what any great NFL offense does. Um, the ball is in the air before the receiver makes his cut. Yep, and huge. so as the head whips around, the ball's already halfway there, and that only comes with a summer or a year full of getting used to that guy's speed. Like he has to know, okay, on this route, Jamar Chase will be here when my mental clock is here, and so I'm getting rid of it. And then the last thing I'll say, which I think is a factor, is he was under pressure so much last year, mm. and it was because of all the offensive issues we've already talked about at length last season. But it was a lot of like split decisions where nobody's even really that open, and then like you know, it's just like that was a mess. Can last I fit year. it to Justin Jefferson? Let's try. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was the whole offense. So it was a combination of like always his body was out of whack, making these tough throws, and he wasn't that confident. He'd only been there two months. He doesn't have time. It was just like all these things, and now it's like this combination of he's developed his footwork, all these things. He drops back. He has a little more time. You have a scheme that makes more sense, and now he knows what he's doing more. So if there's pressure now, he's, he at least knows there's two guys open. If there's pressure, that means this guy's going to be open, and like he, he can make step in, make a split decision, get it out to Justin Jefferson. Yeah, They just weren't there last year. No, they weren't, and so... Now we live in the Joe Burrow is a legitimate Heisman candidate. He's completing 82% of his passes. 83? Get my wife's name right. I mean, what was he, 21 of 24 this last game? Yes. But he threw that pick, so he kind of sucks. It was his first, like, real error of the season, too. Yeah, for real. the first pick against like, Texas. Like, no joke. Tip. I guess, well, we, uh, the, the worst throw in the Texas game was the goal line one where it should have been picked, but then he came back True. the next play and threw a strike. Um, Which, by the way, that's the most representative of Joe Burrow thing ever, that he threw a ball that should have been picked <laughs> the triple coverage, and the next play he throws it in, like, just as tight of a spot. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah no it. lessons learned. Well, that is, but, but that is the... That's huge. That is the irrational confidence, that because I think one of the strongest things about Burrow are his intangibles and that's the ira- quarterbacks have to have a rational self-belief you have to where you're not going to uh beat yourself up for a bad play you're going to be like ah, oh, well I can make that there I'll just come back to the next play and get yeah. it um it's like Jason Terry on a basketball court I always use that yeah, example man, Jason Terry was afraid. like 35 years old in that 2011 Mavs title team yes. and he was still like getting six man minutes it's just like I'm the best scorer in this court taking the shots dude uh Shout out Got to the every shout out to 2011 Mavs beat that Heat team. One of my favorite basketball seasons ever. Wow. Were you covering the Mavs or something? No, I'm just an NBA nerd, and I love that season. Oh, I didn't know you were an NBA nerd. That's my number one thing. It's college football, NBA, or like a tie. Oh, yeah. what? 
Um, but that team was the best. Because do you want to do a Pelicans podcast this year? Me and Rivers are talking about doing one. I mean, I'm not like the be- I want. I'm not that like tied into the team, but I'd love to. Are you ready to be tied in, bro? Because yeah. the Pelicans just call like Andrew Lopez before every pod. Like, all right, man, what's going hey, on? Hey, Zion is here, man. <laughs> oh yeah, but I was actually listening to a podcast this morning with Zach Lowe and JJ Redick, and I'm a Sixers fan. Yeah, it just broke my heart. Like, I know. You left me. By the way, JJ. Uh, never best. missed the playoffs in his NBA career. Even like the Bucks. even with the Magic, even with the, wherever he's like 15 years in a row. Good or bad sign for yeah. the Pels? I'm saying good, baby. Well, he's that team is well, the West is going to be really hard to win. They're, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs, but I mean that team is just beautifully constructed. Where you have oh, obviously right. you have so many like fits you can have, where you can go big, you can go small, you can go <laughs> length, you can go scoring, and then but then you have a mix of like you got your Zion's and your. Uh, uh, Jackson Hayes, Jackson Hayes, some of the young guys, Nikhil, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and then, so you got your really young guys. You got your like middle, you know, middle of the like you got your Lonzo's, your Brand Ingrams who have experiences, and then you got your true, really good veterans and JJ Drew. And they uh, somehow they somehow There's, went from having huge. no depth to like kind of They're, sneakily one of the deepest teams in the now, NBA. Now like, is Frank Jackson going to have minutes? I don't know. You know, like that's that's actually really interesting. Wow, um, we're good at this podcast. So Garrett, that's a teaser for October's Pelicans podcast. Look but, forward to that. Uh, okay, we're, we're okay. We're talking about Joe Burrow. confidence, but <laughs> we're talking about Joe Burrow. He's been unbelievable. And I, I don't really know what else to say about him this last game besides he just did what we've now come to expect. It's, he was which is the perfect. proof of growth. Yes, is that you can just expect him to do this for now. Um, he he ends up throwing two touchdowns. He ran for one. Uh, Terrace Marshall. All he does is catch touchdowns. Leads the SEC. Um, which I mean, look, red zone guy. He's massive, right? He's like take advantage of that big body in the red zone and. It almost goes back to like one of the biggest talking points of this offseason was Joe Brady changed the way they coach receivers. Now you teach everybody to do everything. And it's like Justin Jefferson was basically their red zone guy last year. I mean, he was their everything guy last yeah. year, but like yes. Justin Jefferson's yes. actually, I think, probably still the case. The guy you tr- they love to throw that, like, you know, get him one on one fade in the corner, and he's yep. really good at that. But now you got Terrace Marshall gives you another big body. And Jam- well, and, and Jamar Chase had the fade. Jamar I Chase think is really won. good on the sideline. Yep. And like, I just think you have so many options of guys you can do different things with. And, and one of the takeaways you can really take away offensively from Saturday was we always been talking about how deep that receiver position was. You saw that in Northwestern yeah, State game. Yeah. Derek Dillon, which we know has upside, he's so fast. He had some great moments. Dre Jenkins, Dre who Jenkins. is possibly, like, isn't a stretch to say, like, the bottom of the receiver depth chart. He came in, like, fifth, so maybe not. But, like, he is probably the lowest that you can think of. I mean, him and Devontae Lee probably. Yeah. And he had the best game probably of any of those guys. Uh, Does Trey Palmer factor in at all? To but Trey wide? Palmer's in your second rotation of receivers. He didn't okay. get the ball. But he's your second rotation. Yeah. He's and, in that race. And obviously Trey had the nice punt return, return touchdown, yeah. which is great. But Trey Palmer's probably in that second rotation of Dylan, McMath, and him. So, I mean, you really have a lot of depth right now. Devontae Lee's your last guy, and Devontae Lee is a jump ball stud. So I think that's probably one of your top takeaways. It's like, oh, you can lose Jamar Chase, you can lose anybody, and you're fine. And you didn't even mention Savon Sullivan. But yeah, which what do you and, call him? Yeah, and so I don't know, what, is, is he is he a wide receiver again yet? Are we still calling no, him a tight end? He's still tight end, but okay. they just, you know, in terms of personnel, he's a tight end. But they all year they use them mainly yes, as receivers. Yes, yeah. I just know that they were talking about actually moving him back there to try to, like, uh, which which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense because you're, you're one, two, three combinations so good right now. 
Um, it, it seems like they made a little bit of a concerted effort to get Sullivan the ball Absolutely. and just and make Derek him Dillon feel too. good. Yeah, yeah, make think, them feel good. You have to do that. I agree. You got to keep everyone happy. Everybody eats. Uh, so Joe Brady tells us, bro. <laughs> That's becoming the overused line of now. Like I, I even wrote a story where that was a headline a month ago, yes. and now it's like, I'm like, I hate myself now. But it's true, though. Is it? Is it true? Does yes. everybody really eat? Let me look at this. Look at the offense. Yes. Who all scored touchdowns last game? A lot of people, man. Yeah, know, exactly. Oh, I'm not before... arguing. It's just become like the corny thing now. Where it's yeah. like so, like you know, like people will be asking questions and they'll be like, so like, does everybody, like, you know, is it proof that everybody eats? You know, <laughs> that is kind of my, some yeah, corny kind of questions. Just... You should ask a player. So I know you're into double D's, but how do you feel about double E's? Everybody eats. They, they yeah, both, I got it. They both start. Yeah, no, eats. man, that was great. Okay. Um, that was really good. What's the deal with Jamar Chase? Why didn't he play last game? <laughs> Uh, was it a coach's decision? It was a coach's decision. Aha, okay, never mind. Yeah, Moving no on. Comment, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. But um, yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase is a stud. And I'm like, he'll be just fine. Yeah. Come this weekend. He's back against Vanderbilt. He's back against Vanderbilt. Okay. Basically, everyone's back. That every coach's decision is back. It's just a matter of you know Logan Lawrence and Chase. Okay, so uh, I, I'm just I'm looking over my notes and I'm looking at because I like to write down topics as we go along and stream of consciousness so I can hit on stuff. Um, Going back to the defensive side of the ball, something that we didn't talk about, we talked about four-man rush, uh, Marcel Brooks starting to work with the outside guys some. Which he's been doing for a few weeks. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But do you think that he starts to see playing time out there? I mean, you would think just from a body standpoint that, like, he could be a successful third-down pass rusher in this league. Definitely. Um, well, it's tricky with him. Is First off, maybe not because that was the thought he would last week and he didn't. So maybe he isn't. Yeah, maybe he's not as close. That to was the game, right? Because that would have been a perfect game to try. It out. Um, but it's always tricky with him because you got to keep in mind his whole recruiting process. He was an outside linebacker. Yeah, like he's considered an outside linebacker, and then LSU was going to make him because he is so athletic and, and probably too. still projects to be the Grant Delpa type long term. Yeah, probably more closely like a, a Jacoby Stevens. Okay, perfect. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so they came and they're like, "We're going to make you this fluid outside linebacker safety combo." I just don't think he can cover yet, or I don't know if he will. We'll see. He's probably in the same boat Jacoby was. Um, but the thing is, if you have a guy that you think is physically supremely talented, one of the easiest roles you can plug them into is a pass rushing yeah. role. Give them no responsibility, which I think they're learning. You're in on third down. Just get your ass after the quarterback and see if you can make it happen. Which it seems like that's what they are deciding. Like, hey, if you you know try him at safety because they had such high expectations for yeah. him. They were talking about him like he'd like get legitimate safety playing time this season. Doesn't seem like he's there yet. And I think once they learned that, it was like, okay, let's just let him do his thing. We'll see in the long run. But to answer your overall question, I mean, that guy is off the charts talented. He's a gamer. I mean, he's one of those just kind of crazy people who just wants to hit somebody. Um, I'm really interested to see his upside because when you look at this 2019 signing class, I mean, he'd probably be like the third most talented person I'd I'd point to on that yeah. class. I mean, he's a stud. So I'm really interested to see where he can develop there. He, he probably needs to gain some weight, things like that. But He's a naturally talented dude. Uh, I didn't watch Nose very closely this last game, which is a credit to yeah. Tyler Shelvin how solid he's been. What he about Ica? How did how did did I he did I play? play? I didn't get a ton of chances yeah. to like, or even when he was in, he was always kind of away from the play the way it worked out. But yeah, he played well. He had one really nice run stuff. Where he but threw. more more than how he played, how many reps did he get? Not he, yeah, which he that's came in not like, good. Came in like oh yeah, I know him and Marcel are probably the two people you point to where it's like. They talked about so much, and like yeah. as of August, it was like he's a starter, and he's not. And there. now he's not playing. He's not even doing a one-to-one rotation against Northwestern yes. State. When 
LSU would probably like that because it doesn't seem like they can risk Shelvin. Like, I mean, you know, the, we, we talk about guys where there's yeah. not a lot of depth behind him. There's not a ton of depth in nose, especially because you don't really have another true yeah. nose. Joseph Evans would be your net. Well, Braden Fajoko plays a lot of nose, so yeah. I guess. But, yeah, no, it's, a, it's, it's strange. It's confusing. I think I'm interested to see how much is – I always point back to Ed Alexander, like, didn't play the first six weeks of last season and then became, like, the full-time starter. I always yeah. point to that as just like a – maybe don't make too much out of somebody not playing early. I think there is a little bit more strategy that goes on with these things. I am by no means insinuating that's what's going on with Opelika. And there's just guys rise during the season, guys fall during the season. Like it's your, your your depth chart is not set in stone from week one, so there is a lot of room for growth within there. It's just something to keep an eye. It is on. weird, yeah. Iko was super hyped, and it's looking like he's maybe going to have less of a role than camp, we thought. I would have guessed he was the starter. I would have put yeah. my money on him winning that job. Just, I don't know if it would have gone that far, but I did think it'd be like a 50-50 rotation, yeah, yeah, and we're not, not seeing that. Which, credit Tyler Shelvin. That's important, too. really well. Because the whole reason we thought Ico was going to be the starter is because there was just no faith in Shelvin. And the most important thing even isn't even a playing ability. It's it's He's been able to stay on the field. Yeah. Which, yes, yes. Which means yes. he's in better shape, You know things like that. He's taking care of himself better, which has always been the important thing with Shelvin. Nobody's ever denied his talent. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, anything on inside linebacker? Before we uh, wrap up with Divinity out, I've I've liked the Patrick Queen story a lot. I think that's the guy who's worked yeah, his ass really off. Well. Um, he's being rewarded for it. So, who are your top two linebackers right now? Is is it Phillips and Divinity still? And it's then still, Queen, I think those are two Queen still the starters. Third. But you know, Divinity practices outside linebacker a good amount still. Mm. And you know, I just stand by the Texas game. Even he just didn't look that f- like we we talked about this before the season started. Just like I don't know if his the way he plays is meant to be like a traditional outside linebacker, yeah. and it just didn't look that fluid. He's never been a great tackler, and he didn't look great tackling against Texas, which I I don't know. I'm just a little interested by. I mean, you could do a lot of creative things with him, but like there's just, I don't know. I'm I'm just I don't know if that's the best fit. So you're a Philly 76ers fan. What's up? Um, are you ready to blow for Joe? In the light of the Drew Brees injury. Are you ready for the Saints to get on their knees and start blow for Joe? So we for can draft Burrow. Joe Burrow. Okay. Yes, I was yes. really confused. Yes, yes. Um, no. <laughs> yes, bro. Breeze to, Bur- to Burrow. I it's mean, already that, written in stone. First off, Joe Burrow's not going to be a first overall pick. Yes, he will. We got to suck. It's the only <laughs> way we're going to get him. You don't have to tank him. for him. It's the only way the Saints are going to get him. You got to tank. Second off. I don't even without Drew Brees, the Saints are really talented. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but no, man. Fascinating it is, what is going it is on crazy, right there right now. They gotta go. They got six Dude, games. I hate Louisiana fans. I hate you all. Why? Why is everyone act okay? Like Drew Brees never been hurt and the guy misses six weeks and it's like, man, tragedy for his family. How is he like? This is just terrible. No, no, no. I'm it's not, like, what are you talking about? No He's way, missing six weeks. I'm in no way critical of Drew Brees at all. The man. Well, I'm not since, saying critical. You, I'm saying people are acting like this is a tragedy. It is He's a tragedy. Out six weeks. It's a big season, Brody. Everything comes down He's to this. He's gonna be fine. It's why you paid Teddy Bridgewater seven and a half million a year. It's why you went and did the Kiko Alonso trade. It was to try to make your roster able to survive this. Yeah. Now it's going to be put to the test. You got three good teams. Okay, you got at Seattle, home Sunday yeah, night football tough. versus know, Dallas. That's terrifying. But you have the Bucks, the Jags, and the Cardinals in there. Yeah. So you got Bears, Seattle, Dallas, who not looking good. Yeah. Bucks, Jags, Cardinals. You got to go three and three. That's all you got to do, and you're yeah, still alive. But if you do that. Can you still draft Joe Burrow? I'm, I don't, I don't okay, know. I think the Saints have we got to prioritize. I think the here. Saints have proven if they really want somebody, they're not afraid to trade assets to go get them. That, that is true. That is true. Uh, so blow for Joe. You heard it here first.
Uh, make the t-shirts. <laughs> Go ahead and print them. Um, and finally, a random note to end this on. Are you scared? Are you more or less scared of Florida now? And Kyle Trask. <laughs> so if you missed last week's Florida-Kentucky game. You're talking to the number one Florida defender maybe in the country. Oh, really? Okay, well then here we go. Because this is this is big because that's LSU's next big game that we all have circled, right? And Felipe Franks, LSU fans were already a bit worried about him because they've suffered in the hands of him before. He has not looked great this year. Or he's been Felipe Franks, very up and down. And this last game against Kentucky, he looked terrible. Yep. He goes out. This kid Trask comes in. Leads him on three sixty-plus yard scoring drives, nineteen points in the fourth unanswered. He pulls an NCAA video game pitch yeah. where he is being brought fantastic. to the ground and still gets it out of his hand sometime. And he looks like Florida. Have you seen his facial hair? He's got yeah. this weird chin thing going on, and it's very like it doesn't like fit his because he has like a wide jaw. It's just face, very so in it line doesn't with work. Yeah, but you know, I'm, hey, I'm a little worried. My guy looks very game. And it also sounds like they're gonna. It's not even like they're committing to Trask. It doesn't sound like it sounds like they might do him and Emory Jones. Oh, what? Yeah, they're, they're not committed to Trask after what he just did. I think he's probably the starter, but there's been a lot of implication they're both gonna play. Well, he must suck in practice or something, because like, how no, in the right? world did he get beat out, and now they won't even commit to him after what he just did? That's wild. Yeah, I don't know, but. I mean, I'm the biggest Florida defender because, first off, I think people just, like, saw them play ugly week zero, which is, keep in mind, a week before everybody else. Yeah, it's tough. And, like, they looked awkward, they looked brutal, but the defense still looked great. And it's, I mean, I'm just the biggest Dan Mullen defender because I think Dan Mullen, of, like, almost every coach in America, is top five and just, like, you know he's going to get the most out of his football team. Yeah, He's sure. one of the smartest people at like figuring out what's working, what's not working, and how to attack based off his weaknesses and strengths. LSU fans should know this firsthand. They have, suffered, this very well. they have suffered at the hands of Mullen. Which is, by the way, my biggest regret from the summer talk with Dave Aranda, not asking him, like, what does Dave Mullen do? Ooh. Dan Mullen. Ooh. I never asked him that. Dave, Dave, how does Dan Mullen beat your ass so badly? <laughs> it's true. But, answer? And his, Dan Mullen, is one. his offenses are built on efficiency. So, like... I believe there is a lot of potential for a massive upgrade when you have going from a quarterback who has a lot of upside but maybe makes a lot of mistakes, like Felipe Franks, to yeah. somebody who just knows his job, like Kyle Trask. Mm. I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. The offensive line's questionable, but I don't think you're more or less scared of Florida now. I just think everyone should have always been a little scared of Florida, and people overreact. Well, I, I, I think I think I think we already were. I think the, the people, level-headed people, LSU fan is. Uh, people were like, "Oh, Florida's terrible," and I'm like, "No, no." no. Even within that context, now I don't know how if I should be more. Look, we'll, we'll get it. Look, so Florida has Tennessee this weekend, which I do feel like is a really good measuring stick for Trask, right? Because Tennessee has the ability to make him look bad if he's yeah. not actually that good. But if he is that good, then he should go out there and dominate. Uh, then you got Towson. Then you got Auburn. So the week before LSU, you got an Auburn Florida game that you can really zero in on. That'll give you great information about both of those teams who you will because that's up been with like such a on. common like question or talking point is like who are you more scared of Florida or Auburn? I get yeah. I get us that a lot, so it is perfect. Let him go. I remember we were joking with Ross Dellinger uh, in Austin because he's like he's probably going to come down to Baton Rouge to write for SI on one of those two games, and he's like, well, it's like a tryout game. I'll figure <laughs> out. I'll figure out which one I need to come to. But exactly. yeah, I'm really interested. You know who looks better, Bo Nix or Kyle Trask? Um. All right. Uh, I think that'll do it for this week's episode of the Hold That Podcast podcast. HTPP! Hashtag HTPP, what you know. We're not changing the name, Brody.
Well, I know you are pot committed it. on this, and I love get it. over it. It's like you, you, you with your fanny packs are the same way you are with this name. Yes. You are just pot committed. We're in. Hey, I, I, it was my suggestion. I'm okay, down. Good, good. I was just insecure about it. I uh, good. Yeah. Well, we're no longer insecure. HTPP. HTPP. Hold that podcast. Podcast. All day. Hold that podcast squared. All day. Uh, so uh, if you like it, spread the word. Like I said, uh, this is a lot of fun to do, and um, hopefully get- we'll be on iTunes soon. Yeah, I have no idea. Apple, get your- We should start a little like rivalry with them. Yeah, you know, get like- your shit. Yes, toe-to-toe with Apple. Yeah. Somebody's got to do <laughs> we it. Went, we went up against the, the big dogs. Yeah, like, somebody, corporate. We're, not, we're not afraid to fight for you, the average <laughs> LSU Tiger fan. Right to repair? You know how Apple just what's, allowed third-party right to repair? Did you see that? Yes. That was us. You're all welcome. What's 104.5's budget? Can we fly out to Apple offices and do some sit-ins? They would not even send us to Austin. Right. So uh, oh, yes. we may, we'll go to Patreon. We'll start a Patreon. Yeah. Help us take on Big Apple. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to give out a fake Patreon address, but I won't do that. Um, all right. All right that'll do it for it. today's show. Brody Miller, The Athletic. Plug your hey, stuff. thanks for being here, man. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Brody, yeah. for being here today. Do you want to plug anything before we go on the way out? Yeah, I mean, just read The Athletic. I got okay. a few stories coming this week on uh, Joe Burrow's evolution as a passer, Terrace okay. Marshall's journey from a injured freshman's last oh. two seasons to being a star, things oh. like that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, because he was injured in high school, too. Yeah. Well, basically, he got injured senior year of high school, missed the whole season, and then was not himself last year. By the way, did you know that Drew Brees has missed one game since high school? Never missed a game in college. Which Never I didn't know. I didn't know Diego. that because he injured his shoulder, obviously. But it was that nine and seven. It was the last. It was the last week. game. It was the last game. I, that's of the that part I didn't know. Yeah. That's crazy. And it was a game that he didn't even have to play. That's what's really going to mess with your head. Is they were already out of the playoffs and they still started Breeze, and it led to him ending up in New Orleans because of chain reaction here. But yeah, my man has missed one game, and it was that 2015 or. One game because of health. He set out a couple because they'd already got it wrapped up. But it was that 2015 Panthers game in which McCown came in. He went 31-38 for over 300 and only lost on a game-sealing pick to Josh Norman. I don't know why I have this game locked in my head. Yeah. But, um, it's a legendary game, man. Yeah. Not really, though. But it's like, it is like locked in yeah. there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. Drifting. It's time to go. Um, go buy meats at A-Bear Specialty Meats on Jefferson. Right um, it's great. It's great. And we will see you next week. Spread the word. Hold that podcast. Podcast HTPP.